Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well today. It is Wednesday, September 8th. It is 10.30 a.m., and it is time for Bible study. That's right. We are looking at Hebrews chapter 10 today. Uh, Some great stuff in here. The writer of Hebrews just continues on with some great theology, helps us understand what it means to be a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, helps us understand what God would have us do with our lives, uh, what Jesus would have us do uh, with the time that we are given. So uh, it is Wednesday, September 8th. It is a beautiful morning in North Texas, a little stormy morning, but it's nice to see some rain. And we are studying Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, So glad that you've made this part of your day, and I hope you're doing well wherever you may be. Okay, Uh, we are going to jump right in, verses 1 through 3, Hebrews chapter 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise... Would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. So the old covenant, the old promise that God made to the people, the old law that came with Moses, the old law says, you know, do all these sacrifices every year. It's just a shadow of the good things to come. It's a shadow. Shadow's not a bad thing, right? Uh, But a shadow is not substance there's nothing there's nothing to it there's nothing about the shadow a shadow can't really do anything for you except for maybe you know give you shade from the sun uh and so basically the old covenant and its laws weren't bad it's just the people the people couldn't follow them and the the law itself the law itself couldn't forgive the sins of the people and so all the law did was let the people know how much they needed forgiveness And so they had these, year after year, these sacrifices that were supposedly going to help them, right? Uh, And so they did them year after year, but they weren't perfect. They weren't able to, the sacrifices themselves weren't able to do the job because they had to keep doing them. If they were able to do the job, they would only have to do them once, right? Do them once for all, but nope, you have to keep, keep doing them. So Important thing here about forgiveness, an Old Testament, Old Covenant understanding of forgiveness versus a New Testament, New Covenant understanding of forgiveness. So animal sacrifice under the Old Covenant could cover sin. The Hebrew word for atonement is kofar, which literally means to cover, like to put a blanket over, right? And so you have sins there and you just put a blanket over them. It's like having a dirty bed, right? An unmade bed. But you just put a blanket over top or a comfort over top and people don't see all the dirtiness and stuff underneath. That's what that's the Hebrew understanding of forgiveness. But the new covenant understanding, the new covenant understanding, gospel of John, right? The John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world who takes away the sin. So you can have a mess and you can throw a blanket on top of it and then all of a sudden it looks better, right? You can have a messy yard and then you get six inches of snow and you look out and it looks really pretty. But underneath all that snow is a mess, right? Jesus 
takes away the sins of the world. Jesus takes away sin. Forgiveness in the sense of what we are talking about with Jesus is your sin being taken away. The mess is being cleaned up. The mess is gone. Jesus takes away the sins of the world takes away and says, doesn't even remember them, that God remembers their sins no more. God remembers our sins no more, takes them away, gets rid of them, takes them to the, the, to the trash heap, right? To, to, the, to the landfill, to the sin dump, whatever you want to call it. They're taken away. That's the difference. Jesus's sacrifice takes away the sins of the world. The old sacrifices just covered them up. They made it so that if you looked at it, oh, yeah, it looks good. looks good, but we all know underneath there's a mess, right? That's the old understanding of forgiveness. This understanding of forgiveness is Jesus takes away the mess. Jesus takes away the sins of the world. Big difference here. Uh, powerful difference and uh, important understanding, important distinction uh, versus Old Covenant understanding of forgiveness and New Testament, uh, New Covenant understanding of forgiveness. Okay, we continue on verses 5 through 7. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So this is a quote from Psalm chapter 40, basically saying that the old covenant sacrifices were insufficient. They weren't good enough. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. God wasn't happy with it. It wasn't good enough. It was insufficient. So, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So, the animal sacrifices weren't good enough. Jesus says, "I I will do your will, my God. And so, 1 Peter 1, Revelation 13, is that, the sacrifice of Jesus was determined before the foundation of the world, right? God knew the animal sacrifices weren't going to be good enough, right? God was not going to be pleased with them. And so it was the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus that brought all things together, that made things, that made God look at the world in a different way, that whatever you want to say for atonement, for forgiveness, for all those things, it was the sacrifice of Jesus that was necessary. Now we ask, and it's an important question to ask, was it truly necessary for God or was it necessary for humanity? Because in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see the extent to which God would go, to which God's love goes. Uh, so uh, the Old Testament sacrifices weren't good enough. I think we've heard that a couple times, uh, but um, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Verse 10, verse 10, good stuff right here. Good stuff. Something to challenge you on this one. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. Nothing really controversial there, but the last three words. Once for all. Once for all. What does that mean? Once for all. Well, it means, it means Jesus only had to, I mean, we get the once part, right? We get the once part. Uh, Jesus only had to be sacrificed once. That, that So that we don't have to have these sacrifices year after year, month after month, week after week, whatever. Jesus only be sacrificed once, right? So we get the once part. That part we understand. But who is included in all? Once for all. Who's all? I mean, is Jesus' work on the cross capable of saving every human being? 
it is, but will it? Right? Who's going to be included? Who's not going to be included in all? I mean, it's difficult. The, the more you extrapolate and the more you want to think about this, the more difficult it can become, right? What about people who didn't believe? What about people who are terrible people, right? Once for all, what does all mean? I mean, I don't, I don't want to say universal salvation, everyone goes to heaven, right? But once for all, what does that mean? What does that mean? It's something we all need to consider. Uh, I, I think what it means to us is to understand that God's grace and what God wants to do is bigger. It's bigger than any one of us can understand. And it's bigger than any one of us can define. We can't really explain it. What Once for all, what does that mean? I don't know. But I know that those who are faithful are saved. Right? That's what I know. But once for all leaves open the possibility that others may be included too. Others who we might not think uh, are included. Okay. Verses 15 through 16. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. So this is a quote from Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verse 33. God puts the law into our hearts to change to change us, right? The law has always been there. God gave the law to Moses, and but the law doesn't transform. The law just lets us know the ways in which we fall short, right? But this new law that God puts in our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit helps transform who we are, helps make us something that we couldn't be without it, right? Without the work of the Holy Spirit. We become something new. We become something that we uh, weren't before. And so we are transformed by this law that goes in our hearts and God continues to work in us and through us. And before we know it, we become something new, something transformed. God is always transforming us. I think that's a really powerful thing to believe, something that needs to be said often, that God uh, God continues to transform us. And it's never too late. It's never too late for God to transform us, to, for God to change us. So, all right, verses 22 through 25. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So, good stuff here. Good stuff here. How to persevere. How to get through tough times. How to live. How to live. How do you do it? Well, first, draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance. Draw near to God with confidence. You know, the... This is written to the Hebrews, right? The Hebrews who grew up in a Jewish tradition who were taught that only the priest could be could go into the Holy of Holies, that only the, only the priest could go into the presence of God. That if you walked in there, you would die, right? But it says, draw near to God with confidence that it's okay. It's okay to come near to God. God wants you to be near, right? Big change. I, I don't think we read this and think, well, that's not really controversial. That's not really challenging, right? But no, this is this is a big deal to them back then, right? So draw near to God. Well, how do we do that now? How do we draw near to God now? I would say, well, we start with like studying the Bible, right? Doing this, praying, 
asking God to reveal himself or in our lives and around us. All right. So drawing near to God, holding on to the hope we profess, clinging to the hope, clinging to the hope above all things, clinging to the hope that we profess, holding on to that hope that that this is not the end, that there is something better coming, and that better thing that's coming is coming because God is a God of grace, not because I'm perfect, right? Not because I'm righteous by myself. So we hold on to that hope. We spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We push one another on to love and good deeds, right? Never grow weary of doing what is right. Let us be the force of good in the world. Let us be the light. And it says, Continue. Do not give up meeting together. Do not give up meeting together. Well, what about COVID? What about COVID? I mean, we can still meet together online. I know some people have come back, uh, but but I would say meet together when it's safe, right? Do not give up. But when it is safe, come back. When it is safe, come back. It's important that the people of God come together and surround each other with prayer and worship. When it's safe, come back and then encourage one another. Encourage one another. We all need to be encouraged. Let us continue to encourage one another. A little bit of encouragement goes a long, long way. So continue to encourage one another. All right. Now we go verses 26 to 29. Little, little change here. Little change here. Uh, okay. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. What? Verse 27. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Wow, that that turned in a pretty quick. <laughs> the next sentence, that turned pretty quick. Uh, verse 28. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy and the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of God underfoot, who has treated an, as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. If we deliberately keep on sinning, we're in trouble. There is no sacrifice left, nothing you can do. So what is this talking about? What is this? Well, it's talking about rejection of Jesus's work for us on the cross, right? This is this is speaking of, okay, you were, you grew up Jewish, you became a Christian, and now you want to go back, you want to go back to the ways of Judaism, right? The 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 ways of Judaism that include the sacrificial system uh, that you grew up with, basically saying Jesus is a sacrifice for your sins for once and for all, but now you want to go back to sacrificing animals for sins. Well, basically, what you're saying is. What Jesus did isn't good enough. What Jesus did isn't good. You are, you are saying no to the spirit of grace. You're insulting the spirit of grace. Jesus's sacrifice has done everything you needed to do for f- forgiveness of your sins. If you think it's incomplete, if you think that there is some sin that Jesus hasn't forgiven you for, well, guess what? There is no other sacrifice that can cleanse. It is Jesus and Jesus only. Do not turn your back on Jesus. Do not turn your back on Jesus. Then verses 36 through 39, this is where we'll end. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for you. 
For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So, verse 38. But my righteous one will live by faith. In other translations it says, the just shall live by faith and endure what life has to throw at us to remain faithful not to rem- not to remain perfect not to remain anything but faithful now it's an important verse for the early church it actually goes back to habakkuk which is one of the prophets of the old testament who wrote this in like the 7th century before christ the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith, not by their own personal righteousness, righteousness, not by their own perfection, but by faith. Paul quotes this in Romans and in Galatians. The just shall live by faith, by faith, by faith that Jesus did what Jesus said he was going to do, that when we talk about the forgiveness of sins, it is because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the only sacrifice that we'll ever need. The promise that God has made to us in grace and through love the just shall live by faith, faith in the new covenant, the new covenant. Don't fall back into the old covenant because that's not a covenant based on faith. It's a covenant based on works. It's a covenant based on your ability to follow the rules. So the just shall live by faith and that faith is in the new covenant. So how do we do that? How do we live by faith? Well, we trust that God is with us. We trust that our sins are forgiven. We don't bear the sin, uh, the shame and guilt of sin because we know that sin has no hold on us. And we do our best every day to be the light, to go out, to proclaim the gospel, to share God's love, to share God's grace, to do all that we can to be the body of Christ in the world. The just shall live by faith. And so we will stop there and close with a word of prayer. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your many blessings. We pray that you would help us to live by faith. Help us to trust in your grace, trust in your sacrifice. And help us to share that grace and that love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. Take good care of yourselves. We will see you next week with Hebrews chapter 11.